The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, we got breaking news going on right now, folks. Um, I don't think it requires me to go off my normal introduction. Let me just say that the United States Senate is voting (laughs) to proceed to debate as to whether or not we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. Actual repeal, actual replace. That's what's happening as you and I are speaking as we gather here on the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. High drama as John McCain has made it back to the United States Senate uh, among applause to his colleagues, bipartisan applause. Now, one outlet is already putting the vote count. This is C-SPAN 2. At 50 yes and 50 no to proceed to debate. Although the Democrats haven't officially voted yet. So I'm not sure where C-SPAN is getting that number. We'll, we'll sort it out here. Uh, you want to get in touch with the show on social media? Go to Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Go to Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show. Uh, that is uh, C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O. You'll find an email link too on the uh, Facebook page. Uh, and uh, listening to the show live, easy to do. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher is also for on-demand listening. If you want to do it live, we'll do it live. Uh, go to theblaze.com slash radio, the Blaze Radio smartphone app, or the iHeartRadio app. Our presence on theblaze.com, the channels section. All of we uh, talk show hosts have our little channels on theblaze.com, the monster aggregator that is theblaze.com. Um and mine is the Chris Salcedo Show. So look for my mug and you'll know you hit the right place. All right. So we're going to, on the flip around, everybody in the cable channels, they're all focused on what's happening right now on the center floor. And again, I'm looking on C-SPAN 2's coverage. And they're already proclaiming, even though the Democrats haven't officially recorded their votes, they are saying that all the Democrats are going to vote no. By the way, here comes Mike Pence. Let me get over to Fox News Channel, and we'll uh, lead up to Mike Pence casting the deciding vote to proceed. Hold on a second. Uh, To pass the motion to proceed, but that's what they've done today. So now they'll proceed to the rest of the process uh, to try to get a bill together that they can get 50 votes on. Whether that's possible or not remains to be seen. It is certainly unlikely. Mitch McConnell's ability to wrangle votes is is widely talked about and today has, has come to fruition. Uh, that said, the pre- there is an other enormous news in Washington. It's hard to remember a news day quite like this one. For a third day, the President of the United States has taken aim at his own Attorney General. Yesterday, the Attorney General was beleaguered. Today, the Attorney General, according to the President, is weak. The President's new communication director, Scaramucci, said this morning that he believed that it was going to be necessary for Sessions to go and then said he didn't want to speak for the President on this matter. And it appears to be a cat and mouse game between the attorney general, who was the president's first major supporter in the United States Senate, first to endorse him, 
and now appears to be uh, have his job very much in jeopardy. Uh, there are media reports today that uh, Senator that that the Attorney General is furious over this matter, and we'll see how this proceeds. Will he at some point resign? His 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 friends say no. Will the president fire him? We shall see. Right now, Vice President Pence speaking on the floor. Divided. The vice president votes in the affirmative, and the motion is agreed to. Clerk will report the bill. Calendar number 120, H.R. 1628, an act to provide for reconciliation pursuant to Title II of the All right, so it's passed. There's Vice President Pence casting his deciding vote. 51 to 50 in the United States Senate. They can now move on to the House bill. from Arizona is recognized. Here comes John McCain. President. I've stood in this place many times and addressed as president many presiding officers. I've been so addressed when I've sat in that chair, and that's as close as I'll ever be to a presidency. But anyway, <laughs> it's an honorific we're almost indifferent to, isn't it? In truth, presiding over the Senate can be a nuisance, a bit of ceremonial bore, and it is usually relegated to the more junior members of the majority. But I stand here today looking a little worse for wear, I'm sure. I have a refreshed appreciation for the protocols and customs of this body and for the other 99 privileged souls who have been elected to this Senate. I've been a member of the United States Senate for 30 years. I had another long, if not as long, career before I arrived here, another profession that was profoundly rewarding and in which I had experiences and friendships that I revere. But make no mistake, my service here is the most important job I've had in my life. And I'm so grateful, so grateful to the people of Arizona for the privilege, for the honor of serving here and the opportunities it gives me to play a small role in the history of the country that I love. I've known and admired men and, admired men and women in the Senate who played much more than a small role. Senator in John McCain from Arizona, uh, and I can tell you that his left eye has stitches over it and that's that was his reference to looking a little worse for wear and uh a lot of folks have, uh, were kind of concerned uh after having brain surgery and and uh taking flight with changing pressure uh and uh, I, I well I, I mean, this is noteworthy because senator john mccain is taking the floor for the first time since he was diagnosed with that what they classify as rather aggressive form of of brain cancer so we don't know exactly what his prognosis is but there is john mccain as part of the flip around again speaking about the deliberative body in which he's a part for the last 30 years for better or for worse and i was a bit struck that he qualified his service in the senate to exceed his service in the united states armed forces and my opinion of John McCain has been the exact opposite. I think his conduct in uniform, serving this country in the military, was what distinguished him. His conduct inside of the United States Senate has been disgraceful. As he has sought to undermine conservatism and expand the ever-growing presence of the state in our lives, along with his Democrat colleagues. So... Uh, in short, I'll have to disagree with the senior senator from uh, from Arizona 
on where, well, he may value his time in the Senate more than he did in, as uh, his time in uniform. I will say the nation could be, should be more grateful for his time in uniform than his time in the Senate because his time in the Senate has been at times reckless. His time in the Senate has been at times disastrous for this country. His time in the Senate has been at times detrimental to liberty, freedom, and the advancement of the rights of the individual in this country. So uh, that, look, it does no good to do the rest of the flip around right now, folks, because uh, frankly, everybody is focused on John McCain and what he has to be um, uh, talking about. I guess we can dip in for a, a few more seconds before we go to break. Some role in it. Certainly I have. Sometimes I've let my passion rule my reason. Sometimes I've made it harder to find common ground because of something harsh I said to a colleague. Sometimes I wanted to win more for the sake of winning than to achieve a contested policy. Incremental progress, compromises that each side criticized but also accept. Just plain muddling through to chip away at problems and keep our enemies from doing their worst isn't glamorous or exciting. It doesn't feel like a political triumph. But it's usually the most we can expect from our system of government, operating in a country as diverse and quarrelsome and free as ours. Well, it has been freer, Mr. McCain. We have been freer in this country as a result of your party's inability to stand up to the last occupier of that Oval Office and make him adhere to the Constitution of the United States. And that's why we find ourselves in the mess that we are in today. Uh, Congressman Pete Sessions will be in to talk with us next on the Chris Salcedo Show. And now, see, since we've since we've moved past this this stage, now they're they're going to move on to the House bill. And they're going to debate. They're going to they're going to offer amendments to the House bill. Uh, we'll see how that goes, and we'll see what Congressman Pete Sessions says he hopes will come of it on the Chris Salcedo Show, right here on the Blaze. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I, I should touch base on what Shepard Smith was talking about before he had uh, passed the baton on, if you will, to Vice President Pence to move the Senate on to debating the House uh, Obamacare repair bill. Uh, he was talking about this ongoing feud between the President of the United States and the Attorney General of the United States. According to Shepard Smith, the Attorney General is furious. Well, I, and I can understand why he would be. I would be furious too if one day I found out that, well, furious wouldn't be the actual word. I'd be hurt if I found out that, for example, Glenn no longer had confidence in what I was, what I was doing here on the air every day. But the 
the issue wouldn't be, gee, uh, I'm upset. I really, you know, uh, my, my job would be to figure out how what I was doing on the air that wasn't comporting with what the overall agenda of the, the Blaze tribe, how what I was doing was outside of advancing the tribe's interest. So that would be my job. So Jeff Sessions, uh, who we had in the program, this was, of course, before this whole kerfuffle ballooned up, but apparently this has been simmering in the president's mind for quite some time. Uh, the president has been fuming, uh, allegedly, over his recusal. I don't know that that's it in toto. I just know the president's ticked off. Takes the job, gets into the job, recuses himself, which frankly, I think is very unfair to the president. How do you take a job and then recuse yourself? If he would have recused himself before the job, I would have said, thanks, Jeff, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to take you. It's extremely unfair, and that's a mild word to the president. Now, this, this was laid out last week. And it continued over the weekend, and we read the tweets to you yesterday about President calling the Attorney General beleaguered. He's jumping all over him because uh, of his lack of interest in justice for Hillary Clinton. Not for her, for the American people against Hillary Clinton. The American people have demanded justice because James Comey had determined that she had violated the law, but she never saw any repercussions for it. And for all of you Democrats out there, all you liberals out there who say, oh, she lost an election. I'm sorry, but losing an election doesn't exonerate you from violating the law. And this whole idea that was invented under the last administration that you that if you're a Democrat, you uh, only if you intended to violate the law, can you be prosecuted? That's just obscene. It's insane. So Trump seems to be throwing everything out there that is frustrating his base and laying it at the feet of the attorney general, Jeff Sessions. Does he deserve all of it? I don't know. Uh, I don't think he does. Although I will say this. I think the American people are sick and tired of people like Hillary Clinton. And she's not the only one, but people like her getting away with breaking the law. Things that you and I couldn't get away with. Now, Rand Paul is backing up the president's frustration with the attorney general. You know, I think the president has a point because the thing is here is that if everybody's going to recuse themselves just for incidental contact, I think you don't get really good governance. I believe that Jeff Sessions' contact with Russians was incidental. Handshakes. In the, in the, in the usual duties of being a Senate and in being incidental, he should have stayed in the fray and he should have been supp more supportive of the president. There are a lot of establishment Republicans who support Jeff Sessions recusing himself because he had met with a Russian that he was perfectly able and obligated to do as a senator. And I, that's what Rand Paul is saying. It's like, come on, man. If you're going to criminalize a guy doing his job and saying that he can't serve in government because he did his job, that's just... That's just patently insane. Uh, Dan writing in on Twitter. Hold on. This is just coming right across. Loyalty to 
DT as Donald Trump is absolutely required. Loyalty from, from DT, however, is absolutely unattainable. DT is only about DT. Uh, Danny is basically uh, taking the line that, that Donald Trump uh, demands loyalty of those who uh, serve in his administration, but is not willing to return that same loyalty. But I, I would offer to Danny, now I'm not saying the president's right or wrong. I'm just saying that president believes that Jeff Sessions didn't show any loyalty with his recusal. But I, I don't think that's enough. Uh, meaning, I don't think that's the reason why we're seeing the president doing what the president is doing. I, I, I honestly don't. I, I, there's, there's something else going on that we don't know about. And I, I, I don't even want to speculate as to what that is. I will take you back to when I joked on Friday about the reason why Scaramucci was named communications director and then Sean Spicer uh, resigned. I joked that Spicer was the leaker, and I still think that's a joke. But apparently some of the folks he hired, some of the folks the RNC put in there, didn't have Trump's best interest at heart because they're leaking. And Scaramucci, and we, we outlined this yesterday, he is going to town on finding those leakers. So is there something of that caliber going on? Uh, I would, I, I can't imagine it's Hillary Clinton getting away with it that really has his attention. I can't imagine it's the double standard of Democrats get to avoid justice and Republicans get the book thrown at them. I, there's something else going on here, and I don't know what it is. But this type of behavior from Donald Trump, I don't think is, um, uh, it's, it is not explained by his tweets. Let's put, that, put it that way. Is Bob Mueller part of this whole discussion? Absolutely. Bob Mueller and his directive, or lack thereof, from the Deputy Attorney General, who knows, uh, th th this could be a way to get to, to, get to Rod Rosenstein and, and basically say, let's put some focus on you. How come you didn't limit the special counsel to looking at Russia collusion? I'm sorry, Russia uh, interference in our elections. And if you fought, if you stumbled on collusion, that could be fine. But all of a sudden this, this thing is spiraling into Trump's businesses that aren't even associated with Russia. So why are they doing this? As we have said in the past, we believe that Bob Mueller has been tasked with finding a crime, any crime anywhere to force Trump out. Fox News panel was speculating, by the way, uh, if Trump had leaked on Sessions. There was a story that ran in the Post. Check this out. Because I must say the thought occurred to me on Thursday, you have the president basically saying, I'm really unhappy with Jeff Sessions and I wouldn't have appointed him. And the next day there is this leak of information. <laughs> I you see you smiling about the fact that Sessions may have misled everybody about what he talked to Kislyak about. Do you think? I mean, is, is there obviously the thought has occurred to you? It has occurred to me and many other reporters. I'll just go with what the my friends at the Washington Post said about the story, which is that they have been working on this information since June. Yeah, Pete Sessions next.
Sato Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, let's get to our first guest today. Congressman Pete Sessions, 32nd Congressional District, Chairman of the House Rules Committee. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for being here. Before we get into the meat of what I wanted to bring you on for, what is your hope that they're going to do over there in the Senate? What are you hoping for? Chris, we, we need the Senate to actually produce a bill, and you and I have not spent a lot of time on this this year, but do you believe that Republicans have better ideas in health care? Yeah, a lot of Republicans I know do have. I I really wish those ideas would find expression in legislation, though. (laughs) I really do. No, that's the point I want to make. Secondly, then do you believe we should do those things? that solve health care because we can. The health care problems are, can be solved. And the reason why I say that is if we do not do this, if we fail to do this, single payer is around the corner. Oh, yes. And we just played Charlie Gard's parents that, I don't know if you've seen that yet, Congressman, but it'll rip your heart out, bring your tissue if you do watch that video that shows the collectivism, the socialism that the U.K. has undertaken, the canary in the coal mine, is why we need to turn around and stop that here in America. Let me talk about... That's right. That's right. Let me and talk... So, yes. Yeah. So what I need us to do in the Senate is to appropriately be disciplined, make, make votes that, that are not tough. They are free market opportunities for this health care system to work well in America. That's what I want. We can describe it to people, but the bottom line is... We need to solve the health care problem in this country, or we will lose the private physician, and we will all end up at hospitals who then will be on the butcher on the cutting block also, and we mm-hmm. must not allow the government to run the system. All right, tell me about the Make America Secure Appropriations Act. Tell the folks what this entails. Okay, the Make America uh, Safe Appropriations Act is an opportunity by the United States House where spending must start constitutionally. It has to start in the House of Representatives to go through several of the 12. We're going to take four of the 12 bills. We have brought them to the Rules Committee. We have allowed people to make amendments against them. They involve MILCON or military construction and VA appropriations. Energy and water appropriations bills, what is that? That is, uh, as you know, uh, Corps of Engineers and water projects that are important. Defense appropriations, funding the Defense Department, uh, and to make sure that what, we, that what we do in that process is fund the United States military. We also have, in addition to that, uh, the piece about the border wall. The mm-hmm. president has asked that we will not only fund the border wall, but we will give spe- specifics to that. And we were very specific 
last night about what we're doing. Also, we have legislative branch. We have to fund the Capitol, the police officers, the changes that have been made that came to our doorstep. Uh, And so those four appropriations bills are before the Congress as we speak. Yeah, folks, what you're hearing is what they called regular order. When the Democrats ran things, 12 appropriations bills never happened. They just did continuing resolutions, and uh, many theorized. It's the reason why we're so far in debt, $20 trillion in debt, because we've had irresponsible governance for so long. Congressman Pete Sessions, everybody, 32nd Congressional District is our guest right now. You mentioned the border wall, and I wanted to see if it was on your radar screen, on Republican leadership's radar screen, and even the president's radar screen, the tragedy down in San Antonio. Now, many progressives, Congressman, you know, have said with these 10 individuals being uh, dying in that truck in the sweltering Texas heat, they're saying it should be uh, a clear message to America we need to violate our laws. Uh, Conservatives say it's a clear message that we need to enforce our laws. Where are you? Well, it's real simple, and I've I've been this place. Uh, Chris, you may remember from my background, I've lived on the border a a number of Mm -hmm. years. I've seen it firsthand. The facts of the case are simple, and that is Barack Obama and the Democrats for eight years allowed our country to be overrun, not only overrun at the border by people, but also drugs and narcotics and contraband that uh, have have escalated to the point where you know this over the Fourth of July weekend, over 100 people shot in Chicago. What is that about? Well, it's a $3 billion drug market. We have allowed the country to turn into and escalate towards open violence with drugs, drug gangs, illegals that roam our streets, and they are inflicting huge damage upon us. What do we need to do? We need to protect our borders. We have no sovereignty if we cannot take care of our borders. In this case, this was some 28 miles in the lower Rio Grande Valley where that we are going to add, finally, I will call it fencing, a deterrence. It is not the wall. It is a deterrence mechanism that will be in place that will allow our men and women who are down there to effectively, more, more effectively control the border. And then upper Rio Grande Valley, not to Big Bend, another 32 miles, and then lastly, some 12 miles outside of San Diego of fencing that was put in 20 years ago that has been uh, beat up and uh, and, and is no longer uh, worth its salt to hold people out, so we're going to reinforce that that fencing. This is All all necessary. Of course, I'm for it. Now, now, and there will will there be actual physical barrier wall barriers built along the border with funding that's being made available? In fact, there will be, but I want to describe it to you. It has a term, uh, bollard fencing. So here's what it is. Chris, as you know, uh, literally all this land is owned by private individuals. Correct. It is not owned, unless you go out to Big Bend, which is a, a federal national park. And we are working with people who down there also are sick and tired of people running across their property and using it as as havens for for drug deals and illegal activities. There is what I believe a big agreement that they will allow this high fencing that you can see through, Mm -hmm. that you can, can, uh, unless you've got a 22-foot ladder, you can't get over (laughs) it. But on top of that... 
it will it will really funnel people away from that to where they can more readily then control the border. Is this going to stop it? No. Is this going to create a barrier to where we can effectively have operational control of the border? Yes, it is. All right. Last and, uh, well, and actually, best of all, the president the president supports this. This is the president's request, and we're going to fulfill it. Got it. Uh, I have a couple of uh, two quick questions. First off, as you know, Texas, in the wake of the irresponsibility of the last eight years, the last Democrat administration, Texas stepped forward and put forward a lot of money to uh, to basically protect Texas citizens from that that open border. Is there any talk of getting Texas reimbursed for that money? Uh, there, there are from time to time funds that are available. The bottom line is we believe with what we're doing, it will ease Texas role in, 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 in saving literally our sovereignty. Uh, the Obama administration was the, was not the least bit interested in helping. As you know, they did not uh, appreciate what uh, governor Perry, governor Abbott are doing and the legislature, so uh, what I would say is we're going to get these things built very quickly, which would then diminish or lessen the role that Texas would have to be. I have been down with our men and women along the border. I have been in them with their boats up and down the Rio Grande. Yeah. We are doing things now to build deterrences that will help them. I've only got about 30 seconds left, Congressman. Russia, North Korea, Iran sanctions. The White House a little concerned that the this strong uh, sanctions legislation coming to them will not have off-ramps so that we can reward, let's say, the Russians, the North Koreans, and the Iranians if they start behaving as civilized countries. Will there be plenty of flexibility for the White House to make deals in this sanctions package? Well, there are deals, but they got to come through Congress. And this is where we believe that what President Obama did was not only wrong, but what he did, I believe, in some context of making a foreign deal was unconstitutional, at least where we where we look at the Senate. So, no, it simply means you can go cut all the deals you want, but they got to come through Congress to be approved. All right. Congress and Peace Sessions, Article everybody. 30... One, Article 2 and Article 3, brother. Yeah, okay, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. Congress and Pete Sessions. Are, Chris, Chris, hey, no, I get it, I get it. Obama, Obama abused the, the executive branch, I get it. That it, And I, I actually, a lot of people can take comfort that the legislative branch is reasserting its proper role. Congressman Pete Sessions, everybody. 32nd Congressional District, Chairman of the House Rules Committee, sir. Always appreciate the time here on the Salcedo yeah, Show. Chris, you bet. All right. All right, as we go to break, folks, Senator Collins and, and Lisa Murkowski, Senator Collins from... Maine and uh, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, they were the ones who voted not to allow debate on the Obamacare repair bill. Um, it has been my experience that most leftists don't want to debate because their ideas are so poor and indefensible. That's why they take, they take control over the levers of power. They take the weapons away from people because when you control the people, there's nothing to debate. You don't have to listen to differing perspectives. That's uh, the immediate takeaway from the revelation that Senator Collins and Senator Murkowski, alleged Republicans, voted not to debate. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Telling the truth. It's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo. The Blaze Radio Network. 
You're listening to the Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, folks, welcome back. Glad you've tuned into the program today. We're going to get into Obamacare and the debate that is before us and the frustrations that are before us. Uh, before we do all of that, I, uh, the president was speaking yesterday to the Boy Scout Jamboree. And for those of you who had forgotten about this, who are not Boy Scouts, there's a good reason why. Uh, You may have forgotten about this. By the way, just a question. Did President Obama ever come to a jamboree? Wow. I I don't think they're very happy with President Obama. I, I guess he never showed up. And we'll be back. We'll be back. The answer is no, And but we'll be back. I guess that President Obama didn't share very many values with the Boy Scouts of America. You know, uh, love of country probably being chief among them. But uh, I I thought that was rather telling that the Boy Scouts and their infrastructure and and the young men they're bringing up uh, really had no love for a leftist. And I I have to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, you guys know I abhor leftists. And the reason why is because of their freedom-robbing, centralized government BS. And the Democrats rolled out their, their, their new, uh, I don't know, party, party agenda, uh, fully recognizing that it was President Obama who had sunk their prospects. Basically, this is the Democrat Party admitting that resident Obama was really bad for their party so that because remember during the last eight years they said that Obama was the best thing the greatest thing since sliced bread however Democrats were losing elections by the well by the hundreds over 1,200 elections lost nationwide under his administration and Americans rightly recoiled at left-wing extremism so they are admitting that they've got to retool here. And uh, what's disappointing is they've, they've learned nothing. They've just repackaged all their, their left-wing crap and uh, are, roll, are re-rolling it out. And you know what? They're, they're, not even, they're not even attempting to really hide much of it. Number one, we're going to go after the drug companies. We will create a special, special... Uh, office that will just go after these drug companies when they raise prices so egregiously and people can't afford these drugs. So what's old is new again. Uh, Is it really old that Democrats are going after companies? Now, look, uh, drug companies, I think they have uh, undertaken a lot of crony capitalism, as have the traders insurance companies. So uh, I don't mind. I don't mind the Democrats going after them so much, uh, uh, the traitorous insurance companies. But see, what, what the dirty little secret is here is that these Democrats, they get paid off by, the, by big pharma, by, by the traitorous insurance companies and these big medical groups. We've already been through this. They get paid off. This is all lip service, trying to uh, convince Democrats that Democrats, they're fighting what is hurting America. When actually what's hurting America is them, the Democrats. I mean, big pharma wouldn't be able to get anywhere if if 
I mean, into our lives without earning it, meaning earning our business, if it wasn't for government. They wouldn't be able to get, they, the traitorous insurance companies wouldn't be able to interfere in our lives if it wasn't for government. Government sponsored by who? By Democrats. Liberal extremist Democrats. Don't forget, it was they who gave this massive payoff to the traitorous insurance companies. It was they who gave it to them in Obamacare and forced us to buy their products. So this is all BS. I got more on this, and we'll talk Obamacare coming up next. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, hour two is underway here, folks. Uh, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk with uh, a representative in the State House of Florida about the convention of the states. And let me just set up the reason why we're going to talk to him. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that the Republicans who are sitting in the Senate, uh, judging by what the how the product the House has already put out, that, that this Republican Party is about ready to sell out to the idea that government has a rather extensive and expansive role in our health care. That's what I believe is going to happen, that billions upon billions upon billions of taxpayer dollars will still be dedicated to subsidizing the traitorous insurance companies and social and and leaving in place socialized medicine in maybe a lesser degree, but every bit as much eroding and cancerous and long term detrimental to this country. I have a sneaking suspicion that's going to happen. So. If that does, if slash when that does, what is our recourse? Article 5 to the U.S. Constitution. We'll talk about the latest on that with uh, a guy by the name of Mr. Caldwell. He is a representative, as I said, in the Florida State House. That's coming up on the Chris Salcedo Show. But, but back, to the, back to the Democrats and their rebranding of themselves. Uh, this is, uh, it's, it's funny because... I, I listened to Chuck Schumer and I said to myself, this is the same old crap you've been shoveling down our throats for years. What, what, what is so new about, oh, we're going to use government to go after big business because government is the great protector against big business who is harming your life. It's, it's utter bullcrap. The only time that big business, hear me, I want you guys to hear this. The only time that big business harms your life or my life is when it teams up with big government. That's the only damn time because that's the only time they get control over you. A business that is operating as a true free enterprise business, you have a choice. Either I can go there or I don't. We don't allow monopolies in this country anymore. What that government ought to be doing is creating com competition and getting the hell out of the way. But the only time a company can hurt you is if it teams up with government. Or if government uh, puts all these regulations 
stifling regulations designed to allow government into the front door to get money for politicians and to get money for government from that successful business. Now, I'm not talking about taxes. I'm talking about other stuff. About the onerous regulations that are placed on these industries. And gee, I would really, I would really love to help you out. Uh, uh, but you know what? You're just going to have to send some swag my way. And then I can relax some of these regulations we're going to impose on your industry or on your company. And that's how, that's, that's how these deals get done. And Chuck Schumer's party are the grand architects of this way of doing business. Government being in business where it has no place. Where, you know, just, can anybody trust Schumer to run, to run a popsicle stand, much less be able to run any business? We're going to change the way companies can merge. We have these huge companies buying up other big companies. It hurts workers and it hurts prices. The old Adam Smith idea of competition, it's gone. So people hate it when they're... Wait a minute. The reason why it's gone is because of you. The reason why it's gone is because of Democrats. You're the ones who sold out to the traitorous insurance companies. And allowed them to carve up the country. You're the one who uh, stands in the way of us forcing the insurance companies to compete across state lines. You're the ones that allow them to carve out individual rules for individual states so they can charge maximum profit. They don't want to compete. They're crony capitalists in the traitorous insurance companies. You, Chuck Schumer, your party, you're the one that allowed cable companies how many of you, how many of you, when I was, when I was working in, um, in Washington, I was on Verizon and Verizon was a great company. Oh, ver fiber optic, lightning fast, ever reliable service. How many of you have internet service that is just crap and you, you want to go with a, a competitor and and the other and, and there's if you're lucky, you get one other provider in your area. And that other provider is just as crappy. Wouldn't you love to be able to choose from any cable company, from any bit of technology around the country? Well, there are some technological limitations to that, and I will concede that. But also, there's a massive payoff to to politicians to allow uh, they're not to be an actual free marketplace in cable. Cable itself, cable itself is a corrupt enterprise. Millions upon millions of Americans have asked for the Blaze Television to be put on their cable lineup. And these, these people refuse. These people who run these companies, you know why? It's not because of demand. I mean, there's the, the demand would be instantaneous to the tune of millions, as many are looking for an alternative to certain other channels. But it's those certain other channels who have the money to buy off the cable companies to stop that competition from happening. So at any rate, that's not necessarily government, but the cable companies, the way, the, way, the way they're able to carve out and maximize their profits is a mechanism of government. But the concept is the same. It's turf wars. It's protecting your turf. And it's not American. It's 
Uh, it's not free enterprise. It, it, it's borderline, not even capitalism. So Chuck Schumer blaming all of these other factors for people's misery it is his party that have been the architects largely of all of this. Their cable bills go up, their airline fees. They know that gas prices are sticky, you know, when the domestic price goes, uh, when the price for oil goes up on the markets, it goes right up, but it never goes down. How never goes down. Is this guy really an idiot? I mean, ser seriously, uh, you, you guys tell me, is Chuck Schumer an idiot or is he just, is, is he just hoping that you are? Because gas prices are at a 12-year low right now. How can the leader of the Democrats in the Senate jump on national television and claim that gas prices never come down when they're at a 12-year low? How can he do that? Well, a corrupt press? Yeah. Who the heck did we let Exxon and Mobil merge? And that was Democrats. You know, inflation. So we're going to go after that, and that will help the average person lower their costs. And finally, we're going to have tomorrow a very novel idea of how to create 10 million jobs. There are 10 million Americans looking for good-paying jobs. We're going to show them how to find them. We're, yeah, and how much do you guys want to bet this will be some massive government program that Democrats will administer? That unionized Democrats inside of the federal government will administer. <laughs> we got tens of millions of people looking for work and the only way they can find it is through government. Right. And that's just the beginning. Week after week, month after month, we're going to roll out specific pieces here that are quite different than the Democratic Party you heard in the past. We were too cautious. <laughs> we were too namby-pamby. This is sharp, bold, and will appeal Some to both the old Obama coalition, let's say the young lady who's just getting out of college, and the Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump. The wait, 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 wait a minute. First off, sharp and bold. Talk, talk about repackaged and tired. This is all the same crap that they do every single time they get in trouble. I've been around long enough to know that this is all regurgitated garbage, left-wing garbage designed to have all-powerful government. But to all you Democrats with the sound of my voice, I want you to hear what Chuck Schumer just said. Listen to this. And the Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump. The, the Democrat voters who deserted us for Trump. This is how Schumer and Pelosi look at you voters out there. You deserted them for Trump. You deserted them. That's a negative they look at you and say, how dare you desert us? We are worthy. We are, the, we are the Democrat Party power establishment. You don't desert us. They Look, all you Democrats out there in flyover country, because you, you folks on the coasts <laughs> are lost. But you folks over who call yourselves Democrats and fly over country, listen to me good. And actually, listen to me. Listen to Chuck Schumer. The Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump. Who deserted us for Trump. They can't conceive that it was they who deserted you. That it was they who took the side of Black Lives Matter. It was they who took the side of the rioters and those who were perpetrating violence in the streets and burning down communities in the streets. And it was they who, in this irrational display of attacking Donald Trump for whatever, doesn't even, doesn't even 
take into account you being able to put food on your plate, feed your family, put a roof over your head, have a job. It was they who failed you, and Chuck Schumer can't conceive of it. He believes you betrayed him. The Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump, the blue-collar worker. Some may wonder. Economics, George, is our strength. You don't need, dude, your economics is not your strength. You don't even, you, you couldn't create a growing economy if your life depended on it. Katrina Pearson jumps on Fox and, uh, well, has some fun mocking the Democrats. There's no question that the Democrats need to rebrand, uh, particularly after the spanking they received in November. But I don't think that copying an American pizza chain is the answer to that. <laughs> She's talking about Papa John's. The Democrats' new slogan sounds a lot like Papa John's slogans. I mean, Chuck Toomer, and you guys know why we call him Chuck Toomer, right? Because he's a big Obamacare fan, the cancer that is Obamacare. So we call him Chuck Toomer now because he will not rescue Democrats from what he did if, if, the, if Obama's legacy is taken out. He, he says we must preserve Obama's legacy, then we can worry about rescuing our constituents says Chuck Toomer. That's why he has that name now. Because what they're actually doing by saying better jobs, better wages, better future, etc., is saying that the last eight years of Obama's administration have failed. She's right. The, the Democrat Party is admitting that life really did suck hard under resident Obama. And that, and that their constituents, their leftists, sorry, not all Democrats are leftists. Those who vote Democrat were left behind when they had the House, the Senate, and the White House. Everybody, unless you were a left-wing extremist or you were, you were transgendered, you were gay, you were some sort of special interest group, Black Lives Matter, everybody else was left behind except for those special interest groups. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. It's not just a show. It's a movement. Join the swarm. Twitter hashtag Salcedo Swarm. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. One of the things that people that no longer want to vote for the 2015 repeal bill are worried about is that Medicaid goes away in two years, the Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't do anything to underlying Medicaid, so it doesn't reduce the cost there, and some of them are worried about that. But I have offered that in the BRCA, the Senate Leadership Bill, there's a seven-year relaxing window where the Medicaid expansion gradually doesn't go away but gets paid for by the states over a seven-year period. I've said, well, we could put that on the clean repeal, and I would accept that as a compromise, and I think some of them are thinking about it. Rand Paul uh, offering up his compromise, which is not getting rid of the Obamacare's inappropriate, ill-advised, idiotic, and stupid expansion of Medicaid, which was offering uh, coverage to a bunch of people who didn't deserve it. Uh, you guys, Medicaid was set up to help the extremely vulnerable, 2% of our 
two percent of our budget, and it's it's ballooned up under Obama to nearly ten percent of our budget. It's because Obama piled on folks two hundred to four hundred percent of poverty level who arguably don't need government help for health care. They're not the most vulnerable. That's what Medicaid was set up to help. Who it was set up to help. So Rand Paul is saying, okay, well, I, I'm not necessarily, I don't want to get rid of that, but let's phase out federal involvement and, and phase it out to where the states take on the bulk of the responsibility. Meaning, if these states are so enamored with giving away stuff and covering more people, let the states tax their people more over seven years and see if the, the working folk go for it. And, and of course, all these Democrat and, to be fair, Republican governors who have become addicted to federal money like crack don't want to give it up. They have to balance their budgets. And they don't want to do, they don't want to raise taxes. But it's such a wonderful thing, isn't it? Governor Kasich of Ohio, isn't it a wonderful thing to put people 200 to 400% of poverty level on the Medicaid rolls? Well, groovy, man, raise taxes. Be, be the, the liberal Governor Kasich we know you to be. Raise your damn taxes if it's so great and see how long you're in office. But don't expect we in Texas to subsidize your, your, your federal money crack addiction, bonehead. Don't expect that. So anyway, that's Rand Paul's take on this and who knows where it's going to go. But Donald Trump decided he would turn up the heat a little bit on Republicans and Democrats. He also took the occasion yesterday to remind America of how we got here. That Obamacare was rammed on our throats by a series of Democrat lies. Behind me today, we have real American families, great families, just spent a lot of time with them, who are suffering because seven years ago, a small group of politicians and special interests in Washington engineered a government takeover of health care. Every pledge that Washington Democrats made to pass that bill turned out to be a lie. It was a big, fat, ugly lie. And we all know it. The keeping your insurance, keeping your doctor, saving $2,500 a year. Democrats promised Americans like Steve Finn, a former police officer in West Virginia, that they would save $2,500 a year under Obamacare. Instead, his premiums have more than tripled. That's pretty bad. As a result of Obamacare's skyrocketing costs, Steve and his family and many of his employees had no other option than going on Medicaid and giving up their existing coverage. So Obamacare created more dependence sent them on to Medicaid, more government dependence, which is exactly what it was designed to do, to create government dependence and make sure, hey, all of your medical care is being paid for by somebody else, but you can thank a Democrat, thank Obama, thank Senator Chuck Schumer, blah, 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 blah. That's the whole design. That's how you win votes and keep yourself fat and happy and rich off of other people's money. So Trump continued to blast away Blasting Democrats for refusing to fix the mess that they caused, breaking our health care system. The Washington politicians who made those promises to Steve, Marjorie, Melissa, Aaron, 
and their beautiful children want to ignore all the pain, all the suffering, and all of the money, the tremendous amounts of money that these lies have caused. They want to forget about the countless Americans they've hurt and the many that they are continuing to hurt every day by refusing to help us replace Obamacare. And then he targeted the GOP. But they can now keep their promise to the American people to provide emergency relief to those in desperate need of help and to improve health care for all Americans. Will the GOP listen to us? I've told you I am skeptical. And if they don't listen to us, what is our recourse? We'll talk about Article 5 to the U.S. Constitution up next on The Chris Salcedo Show. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. They have loaded this bill with pork. It's become a pork fest. And frankly, I want to vote on a clean repeal. And if I'm given that assurance, I will vote for it. But right now, I've been given no assurance and no one has bothered to negotiate. We have offered to negotiate for weeks and we've gotten zip from the leadership. That's the lay of the land right now in the United States Senate. This is how they're doing business. Nobody knows what the heck is going on. What bill is going to be voted on? They don't know. And speculation is running rampant where the leadership knows. I think they do. But the broader point is this. uh, And this goes into this whole discussion we've been having about is there a difference between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party? And what are Republican values? Many people like you and me are growing very frustrated with the growing similarities that it seems now the Republican Party under the Mitch McConnell and, and, and Paul Ryan's leadership have accepted the premise that government has a role in paying for your health care, whether it be collecting taxes and paying off these traitorous insurance companies uh, in, in this uh, basically accepting Obamacare's premise. So many are growing frustrated saying, well, where do we go? And many are turning to the Constitution of the United States. Joining me right now, Matthew Caldwell. He is a seventh-generation Florida native, passionate defender of the God-given constitutional liberties and supports limited government led by citizen legislators. He currently chairs the State Affairs Committee in the Florida House. Representative Caldwell, also a part of the Assembly of State Legislatures, organizing with legislators from around the country to convene an Article 5 convention. Mr. Caldwell, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Absolutely, Chris. Always great to be with you. Let's talk about the the Obamacare fail. Uh, and, and when I say fail, this is encompassing of both political parties on Capitol Hill. The fail from the Democrats from imposing this socialist model on the country and then the failure of the Republican Party to rid us of this failed socialist model. John Boehner, one of the architects of the GOP surrender, was quoted last week as saying the Republicans will never repeal Obamacare. Would you give your reaction, sir? Uh, It's just incredibly disappointing. I mean, it's clear the nation was looking for uh, people to take them to be taken seriously. You you look at the Senate and the way that they've uh, broken down these last few weeks and and not being able 
it looks like, you know, maybe we'll get a vote, maybe we won't on what. Uh, we're, we're still not quite sure. But, uh, you know, the, the people have spoken for the last six years. They want something different. They want action in Washington, D.C., and, and it's just not happening, regardless of who we send there. Now, we, we have been looking at the Charlie Gard case as evidence of the failure of one-size-fits-all, cookie-cutter, collectivist, socialist uh, medical models. Uh, and, of course, the individual is always lost. And, and in this case, uh, sub- the life of this child is being suborned to this, <laughs> well, to socialism, so that, so that the national pride of the U.K., can take hold in their socialist practices. Meanwhile, the rights of the individual go away, and we're seeing it play out on the world stage right now. I, I think you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no way around it. When you put the uh, government in charge of your health care, at the end of the day, they're, they're going to make decisions that are, that are better for the government, not for the individual. These are decisions that should be left up to the parents, to the individuals uh, when, when you are old enough to make your own decisions. These are, these are questions that should not be left to bureaucrats, to a, to a faceless state, to dictate uh, what's the best outcome for, for us each individually. Matthew Caldwell, seventh-generation Florida native. He is also uh, a representative out there in the, in, in the state of Florida. He is also aff- affiliated with the Assembly of State Legislatures. And so uh, there has been... Uh, some and we watch it, of course, on the Chris Salcedo show. Some states have opted out, have actually passed bills to say they're no longer participating in the Assembly of State Legislatures, the Article Five Convention of the states, if you will. Some of the states have come on board. Can you give us an update on where we sit as far as an Article Five Convention? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a lot of uh, energy uh, coming from every different direction. You've got uh, the Assembly that I've been a part of. It was. Uh, bipartisan, simply looking at uh, what would the rules be if, if you do have a convention, uh, if, it, if it operates uh, under Article 5 of our Constitution, uh, how, how do you do the nuts and bolts of that and, and didn't get into any topics. Uh, that work was was wrapped up uh, last summer. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the group, uh, you can find it on their website, the proposed rules, and uh, we, we look forward to the time when we have a meeting. And, and uh, having a meeting is, is likely going to be pushed by the other groups out there. So you've seen uh, the Convention of States organization, uh, Tom Coburn at, at the lead of that, and uh, they're at 12 states so far that have adopted their resolution, including uh, Florida. Uh, they have partnered uh, this September with the state of Arizona. Arizona is going to host a, uh, a meeting officially for uh, states to get together and, and talk about uh, making this uh, be a reality. There's nothing uh, that prevents states from getting together. In fact, before World War II, uh, states did it all the time. It's it's really an anomaly that the last 60, 70 years uh, we haven't had meetings among states. And so uh, Arizona's offered to host uh, everybody in September, and uh, we're hoping to be a participant in that. Now, at one point, uh, there were 28 states that had had resolutions passed either uh, recently during the Obama administration or back in the 80s. And, and those don't expire unless they're they're voted down. Has that count gone down, or do we stay pat at 28 states that have that have legislation from their state legislatures on the books to participate in an Article Five convention if if called? Sure, and this can get a little a little complicated, but uh, you have another organization, the Balanced Budget Amendment Group. They they've been focused specifically on that topic, and right now their count is at 27 states uh, that have an active okay. and open call. 
uh, for that, and they've got uh, some targets. Uh, and, and you're right, there are a few states this last year that, that uh, rescinded their calls. So uh, Maryland and Delaware and New Mexico, uh, you've got states that, the, that are run uh, by Democratic uh, legislators, and they've been moving to actually uh, remove their calls that have maybe been hanging out there for 20, 30 years. But um, there's some really good targets uh, that there's no reason you, you couldn't see, uh, see us getting there. States like South Carolina or Montana uh, who still haven't adopted uh, these calls. And if they did, uh, you could absolutely uh, see a pathway to get to the 34 we need uh, to, to have this very important uh, convention. Yeah, 34 is needed, folks, to call the convention, 38 to pass any amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Uh, and uh, again, even if a convention like this is convened, it will be enough to to really rattle some cages up there on Capitol Hill. And I got to say, Representative Caldwell, that if if the legislators in Washington, D.C. will not do the will of the American people, it's time for the American people to rein in Washington, D.C., and that's kind of what's behind the entire effort, yes? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what uh, was debated at the original Constitutional Convention. You go back to, to 1786 and 87, and you, you read the transcripts of the of the debates they had. There was a concern that, that Congress would devolve uh, into what we have today, a, a ossified uh, infrastructure that's not able to, to recognize what the people want and need to get done. Uh, and they specifically provided Article 5 uh, for that scenario. And that's really the biggest thing. You know, you, you have folks out there on the right and the left that, uh, for whatever reason, they, they oppose the idea of an Article 5 convention. Uh, and, of course, my, my response would be, well, you know, you, you trust the founders uh, who have crafted uh, the Constitution, the, the greatest document in human history, except for the part that they put in there to let us empower ourselves. Uh, I, I, that really doesn't compute for me. And so, yeah, me either. Uh, I, I am I am right there with you. And, Representative, I'm up against the clock here, so I appreciate the time. Matthew Caldwell, everybody, seventh generation, Florida native, Florida House representatives. Caldwell is also part of the Assembly of State Legislatures, uh, ASL. Sir, always appreciate the update here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Absolutely, Chris. Enjoy it. All right, when we get back, we will wrap up the show for today with some, uh, well, some interesting takes from the Wall Street Journal that I found absolutely fascinating on the Obamacare repeal or place debate. It's all coming up in the Salcedo Show right here on The Blaze. Broadcasting with Latin flair. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when the Wall Street Journal was a was a bastion of conservatism, where the Wall Street Journal editorial page, where their opinion, their commentary, their news was was decidedly uh, that their news was uh, not antagonistic toward conservatism, and their opinion was decidedly conservative. That has changed over the years. That being said, when there is a, a good offering or a at least a thought-provoking offering, I want to talk a little bit about it. Heather Higgins writes the following in the Wall Street Journal, force Congress's hand on health care. Now, I, I have told you my impression 
and my understanding of Obamacare was that lawmakers were forced onto Obamacare through an amendment. I think it was Chuck Grassley who offered it, if memory serves. Anyway, they were forced on the exchanges, but they also received stipends up to $12,000 a year to offset the pain for, for, they, uh, for them and their, and their staffs at, at, on Capitol Hill. You and I don't get $12,000 a year to buy insurance. They do on Capitol Hill. Heather Higgins writes, if President Trump is serious about repealing Obamacare, about delivering better policy with more choice, uh, delivering a better policy with more choice and lower costs, there's a simple move he could make that wouldn't require congressional approval. It would align the interests of lawmakers and their staffers with the interests of the voters. Congress is essentially unaffected by the high costs of the Obamacare exchanges because of a special exemption crafted under President Obama's administration. The Affordable Care Act required members of Congress and their employees to participate in the health insurance exchanges it established. They should have lost the generous coverage they had in the Federal Employees Health Benefit Program and instead bought one of the government-mandated options offered by the ACA exchanges. In late 2012, however, staffers and members figured out what was about to happen and begged President Obama for relief. Just as Congress was going into its August recess in 2013, the Office of Personnel Management ratified the fiction that the House and Senate each have fewer than 50 employees and thus qualify as a small business. That enabled OPM to establish a system of special subsidies and exemptions, sparing Congress the embarrassment of a self-serving vote. Many staffers are exempted and allowed to remain on their old insurance plans. Members of Congress and their designated official office staff are insured through the District of Columbia's Small Business Exchange, but they receive a one-of-a-kind subsidy from their employer, the U.S. taxpayers, of $12,000 or about 70% of their premiums. All that would be illegal for anyone else. In fact, it's illegal for Congress, too. But since it was established administratively, it can be uh, it, it can be ended the same way. The president should announce that he is introducing OPM to uh, or actually instructing OPM to end the exemption and subsidies for Congress. This is smart politics. One poll found 94 percent of voters oppose the special deal for Congress. It would also lead to small smart policy. Any continued failure to reform health care means members of Congress and their staff would suffer under the current system. If the president does this, he'd have huge, huge negotiating leverage. He would align the interests of the ruling class with those of the voters, forcing Congress to act. He might even get some Democrat votes. By the way, Ms. Higgins, CEO of Independent Women's Voice, runs the Repeal and Reform Coalition. Uh, I would you all read this piece and you all retweet this piece out to uh, President Trump. See if now 
he's out there bashing on Jeff Sessions enough. I mean, he can bash on the members of Congress a little bit more. I think they could, they deserve it. Don't you? I'm just saying. Might be a, uh, a good thing to approach. Let's see. Was one other thing I wanted to get to get to you guys? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jeff Sessions. Do do you think he is going to be allowed to resign, or will he be fired? Jeff Sessions. Uh, at least my read of the man is that he will not resign. He's going to force Trump to fire him. And there is a report out there that I saw breaking while we were on the air. Uh, well, it may not have been breaking, but I just saw it flash across the screen over at Fox News that says that the attorney general is about ready to be fired. What do you guys think of that? Do you think that this attorney general, Jeff Sessions, who has been wrongly accused of being a racist by the left deserves to be fired by the president of the United States for doing what he has done. That I will also say this. Isn't it funny how so many in the basket of biased press who have savaged Jeff Sessions for years as a senator and then when he was put up for AG are now suddenly his greatest defenders against the evil Trump. I find that fascinating. Hey, remember everybody, society's worth not measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a grand day. Hump day tomorrow. See you then, right here on The Blaze. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network.